so I I've not played the new um, Star Trek game yet. Oh, it's getting, oh that's it's getting, right. Okay. Yeah, that's out, isn't it? Uh, yeah, res- Resurgence or whatever. Resurgence. Yeah, it's getting pretty. It's getting okay reviews. I think it's been. It's people are like it's a good story, but it's the gameplay is a little repetitive and it's kind of buggy. Hmm. So um, I will definitely play it, but I have been playing. Um, I mean, it's a Telltale game, though, right? Like, isn't like isn't the gameplay of those kind of limited? anyways yeah it's not it's not technically by telltale but it's by a bunch of people used to work at telltale i think um but yeah i don't think the gameplay is really what those people come to for that stuff so yeah. I, i'll definitely play it any telltale games i haven't i haven't I've, actually every, every time it goes like every now and then i look at because i've heard the telltale batman is is like a very good batman story that i always mm-hmm. like kind of like look at and then never end up getting but yeah i i don't know i i don't i mean i like batman uh, but like, I don't, I don't really play a lot of like comic book video games and then, and then, um, like fables and the walking dead are two other things that I just don't like, those are also comic books, but I also just don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of like connection to those things. And those are the, those are the, those are the three big ones. I think that people really liked from, from them back in the day. I do. I will play this one for sure. I just, um, so I'm not quite done with I've got I've got a bit more of Metroid Prime Remastered, but I I'll, then I stopped playing that so I could play Tears of the Kingdom, which is which I'll be playing for a while I think because that game is yeah, yeah. massive. Um, it is weird because like I unintentionally am basically like playing Breath of the Wild kind of in parallel with everyone else playing Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, how are you feeling about Breath of the Wild? I mean, like I'm that? I'm very sucked in now. It was one that was like yeah. kind of slow to start for me. Like I'm always, I don't know what it is, but I'm like always kind of like have a slow start with games that like don't make it clear where you're supposed to be going or what you're supposed to be doing at first. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like they mm-hmm. kind of give you like the first couple of just like, oh yeah, like go here and then like this is what you ultimately have to do, and then you just kind of start exploring and like. I always have like a very initial kind of like hump to get over just like, but, but where should I start exploring? <laughs> like, where do I explore first? It's yeah. so big and open. And then eventually you kind of like get going enough that you're just like, Oh, now I like want to go to all of these places and explore everything. And so I've gotten to that point where like, now I am just like very into it and very just like explorey. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, re- I really like it now. But, nice. And yeah, from everything I've heard, tears of the kingdom is just kind of like, the same again yeah it's interesting i I, i'm liking it but i would say so far i and i probably only like 10 to 15 hours into tears of the kingdom but like so far i actually probably like breath of the wild a little bit better which i i don't know is i don't i don't think that's like the consensus opinion but like tears of the kingdom kind of like takes the kind of the zelda hacks community from Breath of the Wild, like there's a significant online Breath of the Wild contingent that like has figured out a bunch of weird stuff to do with that game. Most uh, oh, largely, sure. a lot of it involving like the time freeze or like the stasis ability, you know, oh, in that game okay. where you can and then you can like then you can like infinitely fly or whatever. Or, yeah, like, yeah, stuff sure. like that. And it's kind of like, what if we kind of made the game so that it was like sort of about doing weird stuff in it with the mechanics? Because all the all the Sheikah slate abilities are are different. Yeah, I have I have seen like stuff because you, now you can like build things. 
Yeah, you, like, you can, just like, kind of basically made it like Gary's mod, essentially. Yeah, and I think it's fun to see what people make, but I don't have that thing in me. Like, and and so it's like usually. Oh, to just like spend a bunch of time like exp- playing around with like all of the various components you could use to yeah. make a walking house or whatever. Yeah, and it's like fun to see other people do that online, but for me, I'm just like uh, I don't know. Like I don't like if I see like uh, some wood. Like I'm just going to make a bridge, or I'm just going to make like a hot air balloon, like like, like a hot air balloon. Like it's just like I'm I'm going to always make like whatever the simplest solution is. Because like I don't actually want to play Minecraft, you know. Like I like <laughs> sure. I I want to play this adventure game, and but also it's weird because it's like they've given you so much freedom with these new tools because the tools are all different. That like I think they've actually kind of inadvertently had to make the game more level designed than it was in in Breath of the Wild. Hmm which I think is a small detriment actually to the game because like the thing that was so fun, one of the things that was so fun to me about Breath of the Wild is that it has this really robust physics engine that, that, and, and, and so, and then, so if you, if you could look around and see something and imagine what you could do within the bounds of that physics system, you could probably do it. Like you could like climb up a hill and like knock down a tree and then roll the log down the hill onto like a camp or whatever. Yeah, or like, uh, you know, like there's a very, I mean, I'm sure you've probably gotten it to by now. There's a very famous like shrine early on where like, it's like one of those weird ball games. Oh, where you have like the knobs, like you like are like tilting it like forward and back and left and right type thing. Yes. Yeah. And and most people solve that, you know, by playing it like a ball game, right? Yeah. Um, but then famously, like some people were like, oh, actually, if I turn the controller upside down, I can get the whole thing to turn upside down and I can just roll it off, right? Oh, or, just have it like fall yeah. straight out. And what I did, what I did is I turned it so that it was kind of like like a 45 degree angle and then just glided over to the and, and like walked around inside of the ball game and picked up the ball and just moved it. Like, oh, interesting. Yeah. And so it's like I think I did see stuff- something with that where like people like will also you can just like kind of flick your controller fast enough that you just like launch the ball like through yeah. the air and it just like lands in the thing or whatever. Yeah. You know, or just like things like there was like one time where like I had gotten like the, there's a helmet you can get later on in the game. If you do a bunch of like side quests where it makes you Ill- immune to lightning strikes, like yeah. you can get hit by lightning and just not get hurt. Yeah. And I had this helmet and I was like driving around in the thunderstorm and then, and I saw some of those like little rock monster guys where if you hit them with a sledgehammer, they, they drop yeah. stuff. And I didn't have any like kind of mallet weapons on me. And so I was like, oh, what if I did this? And so I stopped and I just picked one of them up and held it over my head and then waited <laughs> and for lightning to hit lightning. me. Yeah. And then, and it worked. Like I, I didn't get hurt and like it turned into a bunch of gems that I got to like harvest. And like, I have not really had any like situations really like that yet in this game because like they have to be like, oh, well, if our powers are, you can build anything out of anything and also like there's one of the abilities probably my favorite ability actually is the ability to you can just like basically you let you like swim through solid surfaces to like hmm. the top of them but like by virtue of those two things being like so powerful 
they have to build all the shrines and stuff in like a way so that you can't just like skip them all the time, you know? Like Oh, just like uh, just like go to the top and then come back down at the end. Yeah, and so like it, it's I weirdly have kind of experienced like a little bit less kind of like creative freedom because they've given me all these Everything tools. Like a set solution. That they that they then have to like account for, you know? Mm. Like um yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's it's still fun. I'm still enjoying it, but like I don't have really the desire to do like a, I'm going to make like this insane machine that like turns into a lawnmower where I can harp. Like, and, and so then the actual gameplay stuff, I felt like a little bit like by giving you more concrete tools, it's felt a little bit less open horizons to me than the other game did. Um, yeah. But it's still fun. It's still fun. I just don't think I'm quite like vibing with it the same way that like, the general consensus is, which is like, oh man, this game is incredible. Let you do anything. And I'm like, yeah, but like by virtue of letting you do anything, it kind of like then has to limit like what anything can do in the game. But yeah. anyway, still fun though. I'm still enjoying it. But yeah, uh, one day I'll play Star Trek Resurgence, probably, but probably not for, I would guess probably I won't play it until the fall, but whenever I do play it, I'll, I'll be sure to report back on. Yeah, on I should also, I feel like I would like it. I should try it out. Yeah. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And today we're talking about Reunion, which is Star Trek TNG uh, Season 4, Episode 7. Uh, this episode was written by, according to this, it was written by Thomas Perry, Joe Perry, Ronald D. Moore, Brandon Braga, and Drew Dayan. Um, wow, and it was directed by Two Takes Freaks. Uh, this is oh, a well directed. Really? Ep- I didn't know that. Yes, this is a well directed episode. I, I, I would say, like, like uh, I, I, I thought that while I was watching it. Um, I think partially because I watched this episode right after I watched the Voyage episode we did last time, and this episode is uh, shot sure. on film, and the Voyage episode very much is not. Um, and so I just, it just was like nice to look at all this stuff. I thought, I thought the, the Klingon sets were very well pointed and stuff, but um, yeah, yeah, I agree. But yeah, so the memory office synopsis of this one is Captain Picard is selected to arbitrate the selection of a new chancellor for the Klingon Empire and, in doing so, find out who dishonorably murdered the old chancellor. Also involved is Ambassador uh, Kalar, who is a surprise for Worf, their son. Um, so this is a very important episode in Star Trek uh, lore um, because... Yeah, I think this is my thing with this. is like, in the like lore of the show, both for like the characters and also for like the greater geopolitics of the Klingons, like very important things happen. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this is how I feel about a lot of the Klingon episodes is like very important things are happening in that kind like in the universe, but it feels for whatever reason, it feels like not a lot actually happens in the episode of television. <laughs> Interesting. I, I actually, I was not, but. I'm not usually a huge fan of, especially the TNG Klingon episodes, but I, and it's, I was not super looking forward to this one. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, I thought this was pretty good. Um, I was, I was pretty into it, even though I'm like famously like not an Alexander liker. Um, yeah. Well, he's not in this episode really very much. He just kind of like stands around. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of like very small in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a very important episode because this is the first appearance of Alexander, who I don't, I don't think Worf ever actually says his name in the episode. Um, but uh, yeah, but I don't he's, think so. 
because uh, Kalar says his name a few times, but yeah, um, which is Worf's son that he has with uh, Kalar, who is a Klingon ambassador who he had sex with in an earlier episode. Um, and this is also the fierce appearance of Gowron, who is like a very important Klingon character uh, for yeah. the rest of the show and especially in DS9. Uh, and it's also like not the first appearance of like the Duras family, but like a very pivotal moment in like the Duras family, you know, yeah. um, the house of Duras being the kind of like these, these like near this like near do well house in the Klingon empire where, where pr- primarily we know them through, um, what are their names? Bator and L- Lursa, I think. Lursa, yeah, yeah. the two, the two sisters. Klingon sisters, yeah, who are not in this episode. I was a little no, disappointed by that, but um, yeah, because this love, is still like their brother. Duras is their brother, right? Yeah, I think who so. I think yeah, is the antagonist, like the previous kind of like Worf Klingon one, and then this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is very much an episode. I feel like again, like. In an attempt at fairness for all of the, like, new Star Trek episodes that we criticize for being so dependent on, like, having watched specific other episodes of Star Trek, like, this is yeah. one where if, if you hadn't seen, like, very specific Klingon-centric episodes, you would have no idea what was going on. I think most, well, I think mostly two episodes. I think if you hadn't yeah, seen the like, episode... Like the, the, the Kalar episode... Yeah, the killer episode, and then the episode where Worf has to, gets discommendation. Yeah, although I'm just I'm just thinking about it now. When is that first killer episode? Because how old is Alexander supposed to be? Because this is only the fourth season of the show. Was that yeah. like? Although the Klingons age really fast, because he's also much like I feel like this is much younger than like we're used to seeing Alexander, which can't be more than a season or two after this. Yeah, maybe it's like a what's your face situation on Voyager. Naomi Wildman, Naomi Wildman, where she yeah. like is definitely older than five or whatever. Um, yeah, so when 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 do you see? So Kalar is Kalar's, only, I think only in a couple of episodes. She's in, yeah, she's in two episodes. So she's in her first episode is the emissary, which is um, season two. So technically, okay. Alexander is two years old. Sure. Which no, he's not. That's not true. <laughs> Uh, uh, also, again, one of those silly things. This is for the DS9 episode with a similar title. Please see emissary. Yeah, they, they love they love doing that, having a the and a. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many words and however many hundreds of episodes of Star Trek. So. Yeah, yeah. How I wonder how old. What's the, what's the name of the kid who played Alexander in this episode? Because Alexander has been played by many children over the years. Yeah, I did um, look into that. Like, I was like, is this like the same? Kid, but it's not like the, I think this is someone that like only plays him in this episode, and then there's like the guy that plays him in most of TNG. Because mm-hmm. this is this is John Stewart, yeah, who was born in 1984, and and this is and then like 90. This is 1990, apparently. Okay, so he's like six, and he's playing someone who should be two. Right. Yeah, he look at me. He looks six. Like that's what I would have guessed around like what he is in the. Um, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, but anyway, um, yeah. So, but, but allegedly he's two. So you know, maybe sure. maybe Klingons stay as. Maybe they put him very briefly on the little time planet from 
the Discovery Season 2 episode, the Klingon time planet. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of like beams down and comes back. Yeah. Yeah, but I think those are the two episodes that you kind of have to know. Basically, that like there was an episode earlier where where Worf had sex with a half human, half Klingon woman. Who they basically they, they basically just explain that in this episode. Yeah, I, they they do. Um, I mean, I think even like the Worf being, I feel like they like drop enough kind of like talking about it that you could probably piece it together from context clues about like Worf being dishonored. Yeah, because his dad, that- his dad was framed for participating in like this brutal Romulan attack on Klingon yeah. uh, people, but it was actually Duras's dad. And so, but then basically in order to and basically like the whole high council knew about it or, or finds out about it in that episode, I think, but yeah. they're like, but Duras is like an important part of the high council. And so like, if that family was dishonored, it would like, have all this like all these like political consequences yeah whereas like Worf's dad was nobody and so like we're just gonna pretend that Worf's dad did it yeah for like political convenience essentially yep and uh and but Worf like in in the in the interest of like keeping the the Klingon council intact like decides to accept the 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 discommendation like the dishonor basically and um and it's, but he's got a big chip on his shoulder about it, though. And yeah, and so becomes like essentially like an outcast from like Klingon society because of that. Yeah. Yep. And so that's kind of what you need to know uh, when this episode comes in. So so yeah, take us take us in. Um. Yeah. So the again the episode starts out with uh, with Ambassador Kalar and alexander coming onto the ship which is or like ambassador killer says like she's going to come onto the ship and then they're like two to be aboard and morph is just like two and then it's her and then this child and it's like kind of made very like obliquely clear that this is like her and Worf's son mm-hmm. um and then they just kind of like leave him in daycare for most of the episode <laughs> yeah but basically, the reason she's come aboard is that she says on her ship is the, the Klingon Chancellor who's dying. And he's, like, requested to talk to Picard before he dies. Because, I think because, does this also, like, go back to, because, like, because Picard was the one who was, like, defending Worf yeah. in the, like, previous, in the, the episode about the Romulans? Yeah, I think so. So he, like, respects Picard and knows that he's, like, very, like, diplomatic, but also, you know, fair. And so he says, basically, like, I've been poisoned and I'm going to die. And the Klingon tradition is that there's, like, a duel to the death between the two kind of, like, top contenders for power. And like appoints Picard as the the arbiter like the person who kind of like moderates that and he says like while you're doing that you also need to figure out like one of these two is the one who poisoned me and like poisoning is kind of the most like non-Klingon dishonorable way to kill someone so you have to make sure that like whoever killed me doesn't become chancellor because and then basically what he says is like someone who would do something like that you know, is unpredictable and, like, might even start a war with the Federation to, like, try to, like, make it matter to Picard. 
and then you know so that he dies and then the two parties that show up one is duras who was the the guy who was like accusing Worf's father of you know betraying the klingons at kittimer and like his father was actually the one who did it but at mm-hmm. this point because they they kind of like him and like picard and Worf talk a little bit about this i think it's picard and Worf, or maybe it's kalar and Worf talk about that like Right, like at this point, like Duras hasn't actually done anything wrong, or at least we, like the, we don't know that he's done anything wrong. Like we know that his father did something wrong, mm-hmm. and Worf kind of like like the sort of Klingon view is like he sees that as the same thing. If like like if the father did something dishonorable, then like the son is also without honor. So Worf mm-hmm. really hates Duras, and then they're like, and here's the other guy, Gowron. And then they just imme- like the very first shot they like pan over to him, and I, I know we've talked about this in like probably a really early episode of the show. Like, yeah, Gowron has very crazy big, eyes. Crazy eyes. Like he opens his eyes so wide that like there's a full you can see like a full white of his eyes around the iris. Yeah, so um, he's played by Robert O'Reilly, and I and I looked I looked him up again today. I was because we were just like, it, are his eyes just like that? And they are not really. Like he he's doing this, and he and he's like a he's I would say pr- maybe like the second or third most important Klingon in Star Trek lore, like uh, you know, at this point after a, after, after Worf, Worf, like and like, like may, yeah, I guess. Probably Martok, right? Or I guess maybe, but like, like not yet, but ultimately. I mean, Martok is significant, but like, Mar- but like, like Martok kind of like lives his life sort of like around what Gowron is doing, you know, like, yeah, like, um, but yeah, and he, yeah, he just, uh, he's doing that eyeball thing, and yeah, and it's just like, that I was just writing straight down, like, what an intro for Gowron, because, like, <laughs> he walks in, Kalar says to Picard, that's Gowron, and you just cut to him, and he's just he's got silently just, like, so staring, wide they're huge, like, yeah. uh, it's so yeah, funny. Yeah, they're, like, perfect white circles with, like, darker circles inside them. It's, like, it looks yeah. like a cartoon, but it's just something he is able to do with his eyes. And he's rules. Like, I will say, like, I, I think that, like, Robert O'Reilly does a great job with this character. And I think Gowron is a very interesting character, and he really kind of, like, goes through a lot of, like, maybe he's a little, not as quite as dimensional in this one episode, but, like, he kind of, like, he and Worf really kind of have this very, like, interesting relationship that kind of evolves over time. And I do kind of wonder whether they were, like, we need a character to be this to a degree, like if they were like, we're going to bring Gowron they back. They had kind of like the long-term plan for him sort of like sketched out. Yeah. Or if it was just them being like, well, this guy popped, you know, like, because he does. Oh, so like keep using him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, cause we, cause he's in only four episodes of TNG, but then he's in eight episodes of DS9. And it's just, he's like one of those many, like people, especially, especially in DS9 where you're just like, man, how is he only in eight episodes? Because it's just like, his presence is hmm. is just so big, you know. Yeah. Uh, it says Gowron was played by actor Robert Riley. He was he believed he was cast in the role by reunion director Jonathan Frakes partly because of quote that crazy loon eyeball thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And he says he said uh, 
that, but he also saw a sense of humor and he has one of the great senses of humor of all time. I think that it created a curiosity in him and he wanted to see more of me basically. Nice. So that's, that's his, that's his opinion anyway. That's his theory. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I really like that character. And so, yeah, it, but yeah, he really does come in right away. He's just kind of like going ham. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so they, they kind of introduce both of them and as they're like about to sort of start the kind of ceremony to like decide who the successor will be, a bomb goes off in the room and so then like everything kind of gets shut down and they have to, so now they're both investigating like who killed the chancellor and also like who blew up this bomb. And so like, because I think one of like someone from each of the like their those two Klingons retinue was like killed in the explosion, yeah. um, and so like both of them are kind of investigating, and then like the Enterprise crew is also investigating it, and Picard is like getting advice from Kalar on like Klingon tradition in this, and he's like, how do we sort of delay this? Because, like, traditional, like, usually this ceremony is, like, very short, and it's basically just, like, like, it just kind of immediately is just a fight to the death between these two, and whoever wins becomes the chancellor. And he's like, I, you know, I have to give time for, like, this murder investigation to find out, you know, which of these two people murdered the old chancellor and, like, tried to blow up this bomb and, like, not let them be chancellor. It's like, how do I kind of draw this out long enough for this investigation to happen? And so she suggests, like, well, there's, like, a way they used to do it where basically both people just have to, like, stand there and describe everything that they've done in their whole lives that has gotten them honor. Yeah. And he's, like, perfect. (laughs) That'll kill lots of time. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, there's a few scenes between Kalar and Worf about, like, because Worf doesn't want to, like, he's, like, I don't want to acknowledge that Alexander is my son because then like this dishonor that I took on because of my father will be like passed on to him. And she's like, I don't care about all this, like kind of cling on traditional dishonor. Like you can't force that on our son. Like it's more important that he be raised by his father. And they kind of like argue back and forth about that a little bit. And mm-hmm. then she starts I think it's first because she starts investigating why Worf got kind of, like, dishonored. Um, so she starts, like, going through, like, the the records in the computer. And she's like, when did he go to, like, the Klingon world? And, like, basically sort of, like, kind of tracks down that Duras was the one behind all of that. And that, like, kind of, like, uncovers sort of this whole this whole backstory that like Duras was the one whose family was actually responsible and Worf was innocent. And then because Duras like finds out about that, he goes to her quarters and is just like, you know, you shouldn't be looking into this. And they kind of get into a fight and he kills her. A lot of fair amount of blood uh, in in the aftermath. I was surprised like how bloody she is. Um, Yeah. He's speaking, you know. I, I think last last time I was talking about watching all of the uh, the TOS movies. Her oh, blood yeah. looks much more normal than the blood of a Klingon that's in um, uh, Undiscovered Country. <laughs> that's fair. 
Um, oh, and the, the other thing that I think that kind of like, I think Jordy probably finds, or Crusher, like that basically the Enterprise finds out kind of during the same time is that the bomb that went off was actually like implanted inside one of Duras's like men. And it's a Romulan. And is, yeah, and like uses Romulan technology. So like whoever, or like, I guess presumably they know now that it was Duras, like is working with the Romulans to try to make all this go down. Um, yeah. So first Kalar accuses him of like, you're working with the Romulans, like just like your father was. And then he kills her. So then Worf and Alexander come come in and like find her like she's dying, right? Like I think she like yeah. gets some last words out and like She basically Worf. just says that Duras she did. She tells this. Worf that Duras killed her. Um Well that's that's the thing is that they do kind of try to make it a mystery for a while longer that it, whether it's Duras or Gone, but it's like as as soon as they're like, Well, Romulan's it's Romulan stuff and you just the viewers yeah. kinda like, Well, who do we know who who has associations with Romulans on the show, you know? Yeah. Although I, I feel like they do, cause they do, cause at one point earlier in the show, like Gowron kind of threatens Kalar too. Like there's a scene where like, he's like, you know, Picard listens to you. Like, it's like, you could, you know, put again, a good word for me. And then I would give you whatever you want. And she's like, I'm not going to let you bribe me to become chancellor. Yeah. There's, (laughs) there's nothing really that like, someone on the Klingon council could give me that I would want. And he's like, well, just like, be careful that you don't end up like Kempek did. Um, so you're like, Gowron also like seems kind of shady and like willing to go to possibly lengths as well. But yeah, I mean, that's the interesting thing about, about Gowron is that he's not like a good guy. Like and he, he is like, yeah, I, I, I was thinking that cause like, even I think during the like Klingon civil war stuff, it is he is more of like the like lesser of two evils i feel like he's just he's very like kind of like pragmatic and like trying to figure out how he can like advance his own causes like politically you know yeah and, and it's funny cuz like his ultimate fate is the same as Dur- like the exact same as like duras's fate in this episode um you know just just several years later uh yeah so yeah so so she dies and like and Worf kind of like storms out and like goes to Duras's ship and like challenges him to like a fight for vengeance. This is, I thought was there's a little bit of like interesting maybe subtext in this scene I thought, which is that did you notice that like so 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 Worf has his traditional um, batleth? Yeah, and Duras just pulls out like a sword, a sword, and I was like, I wonder if that's like meant to be in reference to like how he's not really like he doesn't have the heart of a Klingon, you know, like that he's, mm-hmm. he's not using like a trick. Cause he's doesn't not, cause like ceremonial or like traditional weapons. Just yeah. Cause it's not even like, there are like Klingon more kind of sword looking things. And it's just, it just looks yeah. like a regular sword. And I was like, I wonder if that's like, if that was like part of it was them being like, like he doesn't even use like real Klingon weapons or anything like that. I, interesting. I, that yeah. interesting. I, I didn't know if it was supposed to be kind of a, like, because like, like to try to be like, Oh, Klingons use like all sorts of different. Cause like, Klingons in the original series, I think, it's from time to time, had more just, like, like straight swords. Yeah. Right? Like, Batleths weren't in, in, introduced until, like, the kind of, like, next generation, like, wharf type of Klingon. Yeah. So if they were just like, oh, yeah, like, Klingons have all kinds of different 
swords and weapons and stuff. And like, it's just more of like a preference thing. But yeah, that is a good. I think that your point is probably better of like that it is supposed to be kind of a subtextual sort of like setting him more apart from like yeah because like i think the the two most common ones you see are like the the batleth and like the 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 mechleth which is like the is that bat- like the knife with like the kind of three prongs or no it's like another sword thing um but it it's but it's like it's like almost like a scimitar with like an extra little bit on it um but yeah then, and then there's those knives i don't know what the, i don't know what those knives are called um but uh, I know what you're talking about with those knives too. But yeah, it's it's just like a, it just seems like a regular kind of like pirate sword almost. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought it was, it was a cool looking image. I li- I liked the image of like sword versus mechleth uh, or bat batleth. I mean. Uh, yeah, I agree. And then they also have like a little line of dialogue during this fight where Duras basically says like I'm the only one who knows the truth and like can clear your father's name so like if you if you kill me then like you're guaranteeing that you're gonna be falsely accused and like honorless forever and Worf's just like yeah okay fine and yeah so Worf kills him yeah and then the the enterprise people come on in the room right as he kind of kind of like stabs (laughs) Stabs him in the neck (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, because because like they show them sort of like running up and right and I forget like somebody asks like so like what are we gonna like do we stop Worf? Like, what are we going to do? And Riker's like, yeah, like do whatever it takes to stop him. Like put your, all your phasers on like maximum stun. Yeah. Like we're not going to like let him murder a foreign dignitary, but they get there too late and he does. And then he gets like very seriously. Picard is, gives him a very disappointed, like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Talk. (laughs) What is it? It's a very, that's a very strange scene because it's like, he basically is like, well, you did a murder, but I am going to just write you up. Like, I'm, I'm going to, like, I'm going to, like, you're going to get a, you have a note in your file now. Like, but yes. he's also like, I'm, but I'm glad you're not resigning because you have a promising career. <laughs> but also, but then yeah. it's like, but it is also this thing of, like, as he kind of acknowledges, like, the Cleveland Council doesn't think that Worf did anything wrong. They're just like, yeah, I mean, that's fair. He killed, he, he did a, he murdered Worf's mate. So like, yeah, he's allowed to do that. Like, (laughs) yeah, he won. (laughs) Like they, they, they had a fair fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, I don't really know like what else you, it's just like, it's very, it's very, yeah. I don't know what else you could do. And like, you know, again, like the performances, I think sort of, it's, it's one of those where like, there's not really much there, but like, both of them are such good performers that it feels more like you feel it more than like there's necessarily any like substance to it. Yeah. Right? Like you can feel like how angry and up and like disappointed Patrick Stewart is. Yeah. And like how Worf is like thinks he was right, but also understands that he's disappointed Picard. Yeah. Type yeah. Of thing. And yeah, like it's well acted, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's just kind of like, well, you're do in big again. trouble for this young boy. <laughs> right. well, it's, yeah, and again, as we said, like he does do it again. Uh, but I think I think yeah. in that like I think in that time he's more kind of lauded as a hero because like Gowron at that point is kind of going nuts. But it's I don't know. It's like he does it, he does it really he does it less for revenge and more for other reasons. But like I don't know. It's 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 strange. It's interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. Yeah. And then he, like, 
finally like takes in or like tells Alexander that like I'm your father and I'm responsible for you now and then like sends him to live with his human parents. Yeah. <laughs> this is so I think to me this episode kind of like I think that like the Klingon stuff the politics stuff is I think much more interesting to me in hindsight than it was because it's like oh yeah like I know who Gowron is I knew who the Duras's are and, and yeah so it's like oh yeah this is interesting and it's like it's more interesting that it's not a one off that it's like that it's like an important kind of like pivot point for the show um, yeah yeah the the sort of like the implications of this episode like resonate forward for like years and years yeah i mean there is good stuff in this episode in and of itself like for example i i think that like i think that like the, the writers must have gotten like a perverse amount of glee out of like making patrick stewart like like serious shakespearean actors patrick stewart like yell made up words in klingon or sure. seals like That's you know like just like um but like i think Again, this is one of the things where it's just like, I really just so appreciate Michael Dorn now, like more than I did when I was first going through the show. And like, he's bringing a lot to this. And I think that like the, ultimately the episode is interesting because he's not like really like a hundred percent correct. In fact, like he's mostly wrong, but it's like also him trying to really figure out what to do, you know, like, like, um, yeah. Because, like, he is, and again, I think this is one of those things where it's like, maybe this this episode is just kind of made better by the fact that DS9 exists. But, like, Worf is, like, genuinely, like, a bad parent. Like, uh, yes. and then, like, eventually recognizes this. Like, eventually there, there are multiple episodes, especially one episode in particular, I think. But there are multiple episodes in the final season of... Or in, in, in DS9, that are kind of him rec- recognizing that like he failed Alexander, and to me it does seem like kind of a failing of Alexander at the end of this, where it's like he does recognize that he is Alexander's parent, but he also is like, I can't take care of you, like I, I I'm not able to do that, like and and he does just send him away to live with these humans who like even despite his his insistence to Kalar that he that Alexander be raised as a Klingon, he ultimately does not want to or doesn't feel like he's able to take responsibility for him, you know. And, and obviously, yeah. like part part of that is because he's still under discommendation and he doesn't and he thinks that's too much of a burden for him. But also, it's like he doesn't necessarily want that responsibility and like not even and understandably so. It's like she didn't tell him about about her being pregnant or anything like that. Yeah, um, he just met this kid. He does, and he's like not someone who is like very good with kids and you know, doesn't know how to be a dad. But I don't know, it's just like, it's interesting. It's like, you can see him kind of like stumbling through this. And the same thing is true with like the Dora stuff where it's like, he has very strong emotions about this and maybe he shouldn't have done what he did, but also it's like, it is good for the Empire ultimately that Doris is not around. And like, again, what he did is, is culturally acceptable to the Klingons, you know, like, and so he's yeah. kind of a little defiant about that, but also understanding that he's still broke organization. I don't know. Like, like he has to kind of go through like a lot of like very complicated, like emotions in this, which I just found interesting to watch. And just, I just, I just have really grown to love that character so much that I think it was, it was pretty interesting to me. Yeah. 
Although it is, it is one of those things where, like, yeah, it, it is this, like, I like where Worf ends up in terms of, like, understanding what honor is and, like, kind of what it means to be a Klingon, but also uh, a part of Starfleet and all of these things. Yeah. But I don't always, like, particularly like him when he is at this point in that journey, right? Like, when he is still, sure. like... No, like, my son must be raised Klingon, and, like, all of this, like, you know, like, the council said I have no honor, so it turns out I have no honor because of my dad, and, like, also my son, and, right, like, all this kind of, like, stuff that I feel, like, is largely nonsense, that I think, yeah. like, later on, he would, he kind of, like, like, a, a older, like, a more mature wharf, I think, realizes the kind of, that it's more about, like, the heart behind it that defines honor and that kind of thing. Yeah. I I, think he, he doesn't yet. And just is more like yelling about like things where I like, don't really agree with him. But I I don't think you're supposed to agree with him though. As as, as I think that he, I I do definitely agree that like, he's written much better in, in DS9 than he is in, especially early TNG. But like, also it's like, I do think he is supposed to be young and figuring it out. And, like, he is in this weird place where it's, like, he feels, like, a disconnection from his roots because he was largely raised by human parents. But he... Part of it is, like, he's clearly striving to get back to this thing that he doesn't actually have, like, very much of a connection to. And it hurts him, you know? And, and it just, like... And, again, it's, like... I don't think the, the show is really endorsing a lot of this. I think, I think that when he's just, like, all right, Alexander... You have to look at your mom's dead body. Now I'm going to leave you in the room with her body while I go do something else. Like I don't think that the show yeah. is. I don't think the show is telling you that's a good thing he did. Like I, th- I think that's him. Be- that they're they're being like he does not know what he's doing. Like he does not know how to be a parent. You know, like and he's yeah, and he's like kind of scarring Alexander in that moment, and he can't ultimately like do the right thing for him. I don't know. Like like. Maybe I'm reading more into it than it's there, but it it felt to me like kind of a it felt thorny to me in a way that was at least partially intentional. I don't know. Um, I'm not a huge Kalar fan. I will say, like, I think that she's I because I do think she's kind of like she's being so like sassy with him, and it's like she should have told him. Like, and, you know, if he wanted to get married, she could have still said no. You know, like yeah. I I think also too, it's just like that is one thing that I think ages more poorly for me is that like. Now that I've seen him and Dax together, I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Like, he was in love with someone else. Who cares? Like, like you know, Dax is his... This is his real, like, soulmate. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I was engaged by this one, and I wasn't really expecting to be that, but I was I was watching it the whole time. I, I thought it was... I thought the political stuff was interesting, and I liked, I liked the performances, and I just thought it was, like, a pretty good episode to, like, look at, too. I thought Frakes did a good job directing it. Um, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I was into it. I was in further for the most part. Um, I don't know if it's like my top 100 or anything for when I when I end up doing that. But I but I'm, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think that's all I had because I think I yeah I wanted to go back and talk about some of those the wharf things um, and I just wanted to write talk about Patrick Stewart yelling that thing in Klingon because that made me laugh. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean uh, definitely an auspicious beginning for um, for Gowron. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, he's he's a lot of fun. Um, well, so I'm excited about next episode. Next episode, we are we are talking about 
maybe my favorite episode of Star Trek of all time. Oh, I forgot we were doing... I completely forgot this one was on the list. Oh, yeah, boy. baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Our next episode is <laughs> A Piece of the Action, Star Trek The Original Series, Season 2, Episode 20. I have not seen this, this episode for a long time, so I'm hoping that it still holds up to my memory. We've been waiting almost four years for this. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, yeah, so A Piece of the Action, that's coming up next so you can come check us out in two weeks. You can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. You can follow us on YouTube at Contracts. You can email us at Contracts at gmail.com, or you can visit our website at Contracts.podbean.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. You can also check out the other shows on the Kaleidoscope Media Podcast Network. There is uh, Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. And there is That's Now Science Works, which is a science and pop culture podcast. So check any of those folks out. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.